Hey, motherfuckers, welcome back to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping with yours truly, Willie Whitebread. That loudmouth motherfucker over there would be Mark the Audio Slave. And we also have Delta Drew Pearson back in the studio today. So, uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about a genre of music that we haven't touched on yet. And something that kind of uh, bleeds forward with the blues... um, classic rock you know it's 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 a scene well, that was happening while the the late 60s early 70s psychedelic scene was happening over there in california that nobody really right, talks about right. or remembers about we're going to talk about southern rock and roll country as and well. it kind of also in country as it well it kind of also blends in with our geographical location at this present yeah ever time. so slightly ever so slightly where we're Love recording it. from we're recording from jacksonville florida and if you guys know anything about southern rock and roll maybe a little band called leonard skinnerd uh maybe the almond Bro- brothers maybe molly hatchet maybe you right. guys ever heard of them uh they are all from special yeah 38 special they're all from a very uh small quaint little town that we currently reside in called jacksonville florida home yeah home. also known as the murder capital of the world. <laughs> um, I don't think that's true. Oh. But anyway, so fun Got a fact. Nice ring to it. Yeah, while we bring that up, um, Ronnie Van Zant actually grew up uh, right around the corner f- from us here. Uh, the band got their name from their gym teacher, Leonard Skinnerd, who went. Awesome. They all, all the members of the band went to Robert E. Lee High School, which is a three-minute walk from our current location. That's um, a pretty crappy high school. Is it? Did you go there? Uh, well, you know, uh, I know people from from where I work. Their, their kids go there, and it's yeah, it's not the best. You know, well, if, it's if, not. If I had a choice, then no. But if I don't have a choice, that's what I gotta do. Well, you, you, know? well, you know, and also back in the seventies, I'm sure it was brand new. It was beautiful, and every, everybody. I think it looks you know, good. I mean, I think nice. it fits the the historic district around this area. We're we're currently in the Avondale Murray Hill Riverside area. Isn't um, Robert E. Lee? Wasn't he the, cool. the general? Wasn't that Robert E. Lee? Yeah, General Robert E. Lee. I can't believe they even <laughs> of the had Confederate the, I can't believe Army. they haven't like, changed. So that I think, name. I think yeah. the Allman Brothers uh, had a house called the Gray House that was not too far from yeah. where we're sitting at right now. Yeah. Right around the corner. And then Molly Hatch, it was in Jacksonville Beach. Yeah. That's where they're. That's crazy, man. I didn't realize that all of these uh, Southern rock bands were that huge in this area. Actually, another one that we can say not in Jacksonville, but not a far drive is Tom Petty from Gainesville as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is true. And Interesting. Then you got to yeah. think that uh, a lot of people think that, you know, since Sweet Home Alabama, was one of their pop hit, mm-hmm. top hit songs that that they were from Alabama. I did for a lo- the longest time I growing did up. I did until I saw the documentary, you know, Muscle Shoals. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you seen absolutely you know? great? Documentary. I haven't seen that documentary. Is it about Fame Studios? Oh, dude, you yeah. really really need to watch that. That's like Very one of the best documentaries ever made. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leonard Skinner even uh, talks about it in Sweet Home Alabama. Right? Does he? Right. Muscle Shoals. Well, it is it is Fame Studios, right? Because what the I was watching a documentary on Leonard Skinner and they kept talking and the Almond Brothers and they kept talking about Fame Studios. I thought Muscle Muscle Shoals was actually a studio it is. not a it geographic location. Al- is it okay yeah. so muscle shows is a studio in alabama and it's near this river which is supposed to have magical qualities magical so qualities that's what they that's what they say so it, it just so harbors listen, like so if you redneck sweet, southern if you rock bands listen to sweet home alabama <laughs> towards the end of the song you'll hear a, a verse that says and Muscle yeah. Shoals has the Swampers. Yeah, so yeah. that's where they were actually recording in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Yeah. And yeah. the Swampers were the 
um, the the backup backup singers, the musicians that they were using, the backup oh, musicians. Right? Okay. So this, huh. yeah, it's pretty interesting. Radical Brown, Brown Sugar from uh, Rolling Stones, I know, was recorded at that. Studio. Brown oh, yeah, Sugar. Yeah. So many uh, Fleetwood Mac recorded there. Really, Aretha Franklin. So it's kind of like an East Coast Sound City type of deal. Exactly. Sticky fingers. Wow. Exactly. I didn't but, realize but it was more, that big. But more, you know, more Southern. All my brothers recorded there all the time. I wonder how long they they've been around. Do you did they go into that at all? Like how long that studio has been recording? Was there? Did it start it, off as a soul studio and eventually go to a Southern rock studio? I wonder. Drew it was can born answer. in 1969. Really? Mm-hmm. That's when it was. That was when it was formed, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty hmm. magical place, man. I would yeah. definitely check say. out that documentary. That's a good one. Or documentary, however you'd like to say. Yeah, don't keep in Muscle Teddy. Shoals. Muscle Shoals. I mean, I can All go right. down the line, so it's pretty cool. So I, the, I like it a lot. I like the, I like it just as much as Sound City. Really? Personally. I, yeah. hmm. I mean, there's it's birthed quite a few. Both of them have birthed quite a few uh, powerhouse bands in their time, I'd say. Right. Sound City uh, formed basically Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Soundgarden. Rage. Rage. Yeah. I think Fleetwood Mac was there as well. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so one of the bands that I was uh, going through now, a couple of different bands that we can talk about uh, that encompass Southern rock and roll, like we spoke about a little well, bit before. Okay, well, before we do that, mm. go a little bit, just just a little bit more where Southern rock might have came from. Well, that's what, okay. So Southern rock. And I think one of the big reasons why we actually chose this topic is because obviously the three of myself and Drew are very heavily influenced by the blues. We love the blues, right? Right. So the closest thing that you can almost hear uh, to the blues in a, in a more modern, and I say modern, I mean modern as in modern for 1969, right? Is so it, it to me it birthed Southern rock, country mixed with blues. Right. And then they toned it up a little bit because that was the indicative of the era. It's more soulful. Uh, yeah, right. and you throw a little soul in there, a little bit of jazz. Back back in the sixties and seventies, yeah. I remember. I remember my my parents used to call country music country western. It wasn't. Okay. It, it, you know, it was a different type of. It was. It was a very like mellow, the the very mellow, boom, 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 like that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It was very mellow. Yeah. There, there wasn't. You know, a lot of great rock riffs like like, yeah. like today's country, like early Merle Haggard type stuff. Right. So they were talking about the Civil War a mm. lot and those early, early, you know, Southern rock bands. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking you're you're from you're from Florida, right? Right. So let me ask you a question. Sure. When you watch Gone with the Wind, do okay. you do you secretly still think the South is going to win? No. Oh. Okay. That was just. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, anyway, you mean do I get my hopes up? Yeah. No. Yeah. There's, there's Clark Gable. Maybe he will come through and, and they will no. win. No. Anyway, they I, never I, stood a chance. It's, 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 it's actually, a bad I actually kind of like that, man. The South <laughs> doesn't portray itself to be like anything like that. Right. It, right. it, it is actually Some. very diverse. It's very yeah. cool. It is. Exactly. It, it is. You, you don't want to get too much into it, but slavery lasted a lot longer in the South than it did in the right. North. You know, and that's obvious, I, for obvious reasons. Yeah, and that's kind of cool to me, um, what you just said, Drew, about the very the big diversity of the South, because a lot of people that are, um, you know, and you'll hear this with a lot of studio producers from out West in California, a lot of the Northern producers up in New York and stuff, they'll say, hey, man, when we think about the South, we just think about country music and a bunch of drunk beer drinking yokels right so in in the essence of diversity in the south you had bands like 
Leonard Skinner and it's more specifically to me the outlaws and like uh, the Almond Brothers because the Almond Brothers were a bunch of long haired white boy hippies which also oh, yeah. had black people oh, yeah. in the band as well right exactly with uh, yeah JMO their drummer yeah, absolutely yeah awesome. he was I think who did he play for I think he played for Otis Redding yeah I think he was Otis Redding's drummer that's pretty cool yeah that's really cool and so that that is a very good point um, that the South was even at that time you know there was there was the scrutiny there was the, the the shades of the slavery stuff. I wouldn't say so much slavery well, as no, 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 segregation no. They, and racism. They were just trying to portray the historical perspectives in, in an art form and known as Southern rock. So the, what to me, okay, so to me, it's going to be blazing guitars and soulful singing. That's, that's Southern rock. You got the it soul, is. really you know, digging down deep for the soul right. of, the, of the South, of the right. blues. Yeah. And then you got these freaking blazing guitars, like the guitar solos and the, the lead guitars, the, 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 any, any ZZ Top song you listen to, you know, any, any Leonard mm-hmm. Skinner song you listen to, any Allman Brothers, you're going to hear that freaking guitar is going to just be shining through. It is. Any, any, any of those And songs. that's because they had two of them, and two lead guitarists. And you're, kind of, and you're correct, dude. I yeah. mean, literally, uh, it's when you first started hearing solos in a lot of uh, rock uh, music. It, they played a little bit of solos, in my opinion. They, they, yeah, they did play a lot of solos mostly because, and that was another point that I wanted to talk about with Southern Rock, that something that they were doing that nobody else was doing around the country. Cause you then, okay, so what do we have out West in 69 coming out of 67, the Monterey pop festival days out there, out West, you had bands, you had the head bands, the psychedelic bands, you had uh, Jefferson airplane Grateful coming around, Dead. you had the Grateful Dead, right. And the so doors. you had Jimmy Hendrix, the doors. Yeah. You had all these bands. These were, don't forget about the beach boys as well. Yeah. Right. You had these, these guys, they were doing the psychedelic thing. Right. right. Um, but then down in the, and you know, typically when you think of a band, you think of a four piece band. So down South and Southern rock bands, look at the Allman brothers and, and Leonard Skinner. There was like seven people in the band. They had two lead guitarists. The Allman Brothers had two drummers, and then they had they had two lead guitarists, Dickie Betts and Dwayne Allman. So absolutely, and then yeah, they, they were very instrumental. But that's what started kind of like the jam bandish kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? that, well, that's right. how it all began. Southern rock, you know. Yeah, they, they did it. Slide guitar, bluesy. Uh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's it's. it's Awesome. It's and that's something funny about Dwayne Allman, too. He was really cool in the sense that he would freak people out because he would go from playing regular finger-picking guitar or, you know, just regular-style guitar to slide in the middle yeah. of a song. Interesting. And nobody did that. Nobody. Nobody did that. Uh, so we'll get, to, we'll get to the Allman Brothers. The, one of the first bands that I came across that actually kind of uh, got me into Southern Rock and Roll was the Outlaws, another band out of Florida. They were out of Tampa They're Bay, They're really good. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard of those guys, check them out. They're super good. Right. Exactly. And so they, they started in 67 um, with the guitarist, vocalist, Frankie Guidry, you know, Huey Thompson, Herbie Pino, and uh, Hobie O'Brien. And then, oh, yeah, their drummer, David Dix. That's kind of a funny name for a drummer, David Dix on the sticks. <laughs> David Dix on the sticks. Um, so they, they were around in Tampa, Florida. They did what everybody, all the southern rock bands had to do is they flew up to New York City and then down to Miami. Right. That, that's funny. Be, all, all the biographies for these guys, Allman Brothers, you know, Blackfoot, uh, Leonard Skinner, they all did the same thing. Blackfoot was from Jacksonville as well. Yeah. They go to New York City and then they go down to Miami to record their albums. That's, that's really well, funny. Because that's where the big time recording studios were. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, Muscle Shoals wasn't until 69. Right. So they didn't really have a, a home base well, the Outlaws, I'm seeing here, their first album didn't come out until 75. No, no, it didn't come out until 75, but they formed in 
67. They, yeah, they were a touring band. A They were a gigging band until their first album came There's out There's a lot of bands in the Southern rock genre that I'm kind of like fooled by. Yeah. Okay, so like just you know, thinking that they're from the South, but they're not. Yeah. Or the biggest example is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. They're from San Francisco. Right. But they sing a lot of shit about New Orleans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you have uh, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Then you have Neil Young. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and he will remember Neil it, Young. He, they just, they just sound. They have that southern twang to their voices. And it, yeah. you, you think that they're from, you know, Tom Petty's another one. Yeah, you know, it's just talk about Neil Young. That's the first beef I've ever heard on a song from one to another. Which is interesting because they were actually friends. <laughs> like they, but they didn't like each other's music. As soon as he said that, it was, it was just on. I, just well, an interesting thing with Leonard Skinner and Neil Young. Oh yeah, well, it was in response to Neil Young's Southern Man. Yep. You know, and Neil Young had put that song out, and Ronnie was because if we'll get into Leonard Skinner a little bit more, but oh, well, a lot a bit more. But Leonard Skinner, Ronnie Van Zant was a hell raising, beer drinking, pool playing, fighting motherfucker. Like he was, like when you think of the stereotypical, like the South will Southern rise again. Man, it was right? Ronnie fucking Van Zant. Did you know that he uh, <laughs> he created the, all the lyrics for Freebird in the shower? Did he really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I did. I did watch a documentary on them, and all his friends did say that about them. They're like, dude, that motherfucker was a fighting beer drinking yada, so on and so forth. He but was, he was a wild child. Baby. He was also a genius. Like he was oh, very intellectual. He was sure. very intelligent, and he was actually very soft spoken. All those guys in that band were musical geniuses. Oh yeah. Why, but yeah. Yeah. Ronnie Van Zant. Yeah. And and uh, Ronnie Van Zant's actually the one that got the Outlaws signed. Uh, outlaws were opening up for Skinnerd. And yeah, yeah. they said uh, Ronnie Van Zant went to Clive Davis, um, who was a record producer at the time, and said, "Hey, if you guys don't sign the Outlaws, you're the dumbest music person I've ever met, and I know you're not." <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. A couple of singles, if you guys don't don't know who the Outlaws are, a couple of their singles. Uh, there goes another love song, uh, "Green Grass and High Tides," um, both off their '75 debut album. They're pretty good songs. Uh, they have they did a, a few cover songs, uh, "Ghost Riders in the Sky" and. Um, they reached number 31 on the Billboard 100 list, so they're they're pretty pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah they're well known. They're well known. They put out I think uh, like eight or nine studio albums throughout the years, and their last one was out in 2012. So I haven't listened to that one, but I think they're. Uh, you were talking about unknown type Southern rock bands. I would think you were talking about Point Blank. Point Blank, yeah. Uh, Grinder Switch. Yeah. Which is Grinder Switch is kind of funky. They were like a funky Southern yeah, rock, definitely yeah. funky. Yeah, I dig that though. Uh, Dixie Dregs is another yeah. another one that nobody really knows. Black Oak Arkansas. Black Oak Arkansas is great. Wet Willie. Yeah, Black Oak Arkansas is really, really, uh, a really great band. Now I didn't know that Bruce Hornsby was considered Southern rock, but I don't know. I, be, a lot of the things that are considered Southern rock because there's there's really a fine line in an open-ended conversation about where the blues and country music stop and Southern go. rock begins. It is. It is. But it's all about those blazing electric guitars, man. I, I you disagree. Think? I disagree because you have that in country as well. I mean, right. seriously, think yeah, about Alabama. Think about Alabama. Okay. You, have it, okay. you have that. Marshall Tucker well. band. Marshall Tucker. Little, yeah. Little River band. Yeah. Absolutely. Rosington Collins band mixes a lot of country. So where do they draw the line? Now, so... I'm not big on modern artists, and I'm definitely not big on country music. Older country music I like. You know, there's some George Strait and stuff like that. But there's a modern country artist. I know you guys have heard of him, and I want to see what your, what your thoughts are on him. Chris Stapleton. Love him. Is he southern rock and roll, or is he country Both. music? Well, I, I actually, think I was I actually think in the solo car stuff with, is... with, with Mark on the way here. He's in another band. And Steel Drivers? Absolutely. It is. 
you can hear it in his newer yep. albums. He is rock influence country. It's just yeah. to me, it's a way that you sing. Yeah, it it it, it derives from. And that. it's funny because they play him on rock music stations and on country music stations. Yeah, I've heard him on yeah. both. And today, when I was driving back from work, I was. It was one of those. He's he's one of the he is the only modern country artist that's like gotten me into the roll the windows down quiet riot volume to eleven I mood. Really. I have one that's I like even better. Really? Who? Blackberry Smoke. Never heard of them. Oh, Blackberry geez. Smoke is they're is so good. Definitely, I Are see good? On, on that fine line of where he's trying to dig at. He's yeah. he's country, that's, but he's 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 on that southern rock edge as well. Got that bluegrass kind Check of him feel out. To Check it. him out because I've seen him live, and I've seen them on DVD, yeah. and I love all their shit. They're, mm. they're, they're, they put a really good live show on, and to me, they sound great. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Skinner a little bit. What do we know about Skinner? What do we love about Skinner? Uh, the great American Ooh, country music. They, I knew he was going to do it. Great American country rock music. They are Southern. That's a long title. They are Southern as you can get. They are. Uh, but they are very heavily blues influenced. Mr. Banker uh, is, they, they shine it. They're blues influenced, but country as well. You know what's funny? That a lot of people don't agree with Florida as being a Southern rock state, even though we have the most Southern rock bands. That's because that they've never gone on Google, but when you, <laughs> go Google when, Southern when, rock and when, see where it started. When, they think, when people, most people think of Southern rock, they're thinking like Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, all the, the good old boy States. Then yeah. They don't think Florida, they think, Oh, you go to Florida, you know, you're well, that's you're the thing about Florida, man. I grew up here and everybody, when everybody thinks about Florida, they think about Miami, right. Or Tampa or something like that. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you something. Miami is just nothing but little New York and little Cuba. Right. Get in, get in Jacksonville, get on I 10 West and head West about 30 minutes and stop and take out, t- get out of your car to look around. Swanee. <laughs> you're out there in the swamp. You're out there in the so, shark. You're in yeah. Stark. Yeah, you're in Stark. You're out there in the business, man. Florida's a very southern state, and uh, I don't imagine they had much going on back then. I I have to agree. You know what I mean? It's I probably... mean, living here for 25 years, I agree. Yeah, it's a great little state. So what do we love about Leonard Skinner? Well, they're they're probably the most well-known. Yeah. Southern rock. I'd say like in the most in-your-face. In, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They were lyrically... Um... Everybody can understand and relate to what he was talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Music-wise, very easy uh, riffs. It was just good music. Everybody could relate to it at that time period when they came out. Just feel-good music. Yeah. And Rebel didn't care. This is how it is, especially fighting with uh, Neil Young. It just it just drove it a little yeah. better. Yeah, I wouldn't want Jenny to contemplate suicide in Forrest Gump with any other band Except for Freebird playing on the radio. That's fucking funny, man. So, right. So, we talked about a little bit about the Allman Brothers with them. Okay. So, Leonard Skinner was very well known for being the one of the most in-your-face Southern bands they had there ever was. Three guitar attack. Yeah, that's they, what it was. An assault. They, three guitar assaults. They brought yeah. it to the masses. They did, yeah. and and you can see too because um, a lot of the Southern rock bands they didn't. They didn't have the. Uh, they didn't accentuate the Confederate flag the way that Ronnie Van Zant and Skinner did. At every show, they had a giant Rebel flag coming. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Skinner, Skinner didn't have that. that. No, Skinner did, did have that. Yeah. Every, almost every. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But they were very Southern. They were very. I'm from the South. I love the South. Southern pride. Ye fucking haw. And they didn't give a shit. shit. 
about anybody else's thoughts on the matter. And I love that. Yeah. And, and it is true. I mean. Yeah. So they, they were formed what? Jacksonville, 1964. Yep. Right. Absolutely, um, you are correct on that. Yep, and so they like talked about a little bit before they got their name from their high school gym teacher, right? <laughs> right? That's exactly correct. <laughs> yeah, over there at uh, Robert E. Lee High School because he was mm-hmm. such a fucking hard ass. And so they started. Uh, they got together. The guys started got together. Uh, Ronnie Van Zant, Gary Rosington on guitar, Alan Collins on guitar, Larry Junstrom and Bob Burns on the drums. Absolutely. Um, have you ever seen a picture? Larry Junstrom just jo- just died recently. He just died a few months ago. Have you ever seen a picture of Larry? Nope. That's a monster. Hmm. Motherfucker's huge, dude. Nope. Big Larry. Big bass player, man. All right, so in 69, or they formed in 64 by, uh, by 68, 69, they, they were at an active gigging band in yep. Jacksonville. Um, and so they're playing, they're doing the normal thing. They're doing the thing the Almond Brothers did in Daytona. They're doing the, you know, they're doing what every other band does. They're playing local bars, they're gigging. And by 1970, they're the, the band in Jacksonville. Yes. They were actually touring for, uh, bigger bands back in the day. It started yep. them out. I can't actually sit here and rem- remember right now, but when they came out with the album self-titled Leonard Skinner, that's yeah. when they had uh, Tuesday's gone. Give me three steps, free bird. Then they started. What exploding. a fucking album, dude. Yeah, then Absolutely. they started filling up the stadium. Then, then it started exploding yeah. for them. Then they came out with other songs and they could be themselves, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. It, they were free. It was, they're just t- such a good band and the right. way they write music, the way they do it. It's just all, awful. Yeah. it's just badass. It's badass. Cause they don't give a fuck. Nope. They that was the album. That was their. It was basically oh, yeah. their, biggest their, album. Their, their crowning jewel, yeah. Yeah. and they could do a lot with that. Yeah, and then after that, then they had their plane crash. They lost half. That was October twentieth, nineteen seventy seven, and this yep. is a Yep. Well, their 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 debut album, the, the ones you were talking, the one you were talking about, their debut album. They started. When did they start recording that? Uh, that was in nineteen seventy four. So that was when they really started hitting the scene. They had albums before that. Uh, I can't see here. And okay, you. so seventy four was the big album. Seventy seven was the plane crash. They had three hours, three good years of of just being on top of everybody. Yeah, right. They, they yeah. were touring like motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. They were so great band. So when when did that plane crash happen? October twentieth, nineteen seventy seven. Now in Mississippi. Right. Their pilots ran out of fuel in Gillsburg, Mississippi. Three of the band members died. Yeah. And then uh, also seriously injuring other band members. Yeah, Ronnie Ronnie uh Steve Gaines and uh backup singer Cassie Gaines. Um perished, ended up perished, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ended up dying. Well, uh the road manager, Dean Kilpatrick, were, was also killed as well. Yeah. Oh, oh come on, man. Yeah, man you know. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. So another thing I want to talk about with Leonard Skinner is cuz like we talked about, they continued to produce music without Ronnie Van Zant. They they still tour yeah. the the surviving members. What I think two of them uh, still tour today. Um, right now, I want to. It's the same concept and same and thing that I feel with uh, Alice in Chains. Van Zant's son is one of the lead vocalists. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, so I want to I want to give it your, get your thoughts on this because specifically with Skinner. So should Skinner be able to tour? Should bands in general be able to tour under the same name? When their front man dies, is it just one person <sighs> or multiple people? Is it just one person? I'm talking front man. As is... long as as long as blood relatives or original members are still involved, I think, think so. I think it's okay. Now, did you see what I posted the other day on our website? Mm-mm. Okay, so the other day, well, I'm sure I did, but refresh my memory. Aerosmith's original drummer wanted to 
rejoin the group and they're making him audition. Do you agree with that? Yes. Uh, yes. I, I, I don't, but it does. It, how long it have they been separated? How, how long has he been separated? Probably Absolutely. 20 years. Yes. And I would say, yes, you should audition. Yeah. You can't come back. But they're the first band him. to actually go back and say, okay, you, you want to be the drummer again? You got to audition with 10 other guys. Well, I mean, a lot can happen in 20 years. Yeah. He, he's probably not going to be as, as accurate as he used to be. Well, he may not. He may, you know, that. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah, that's just the. It was the whole thing that uh, Guns N' Roses went through as well with yeah, their drummer, with Steve. Steve Adler. Yeah, yeah. it's the same shit. All right, so let's move on to another powerhouse Jacksonville Southern rock band, and my personal favorite of all of them, the Allman Brothers. Let's talk about the Allman Brothers. Formed in '69 by brothers uh, Dwayne and Greg. Um, they had Dickie Betts also on the second lead guitar, Barry Oakley on bass, Butch Trucks on the drums, and uh, Johnny Jamo Joe Hansen on the drums. He was the former Otis Redding drummer that we so affectionately adore because we love Otis Redding, don't we, Drew? Absolutely. We love Moving. Otis Redding. <laughs> I, I, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. That's another topic for another day. He's another victim of a plane crash. So we're talking about the Almond Brothers. The Almond Brothers. See, I so this is different than the Walnut Brothers. These are the Almond Brothers. Yeah, I don't know what the Walnut Brothers are. Do they the produce Al- like... The Almond Brothers are different. <laughs> do you feel better now? The Cashew Bros? <laughs> <Yeah>. The <laughs> Pistachio not, Twins? I'm not getting into this. <laughs> the fucking uh. Pistachio Twins? Yeah. Okay, so um, like we said, there's there's polar opposites, and there's a lot of similarities between Leonard Skinner and the Almond Brothers. Leonard Skinner, very in-your-face right mm-hmm. very very in your face very southern very i aggressive. am the south very aggressive about it the almond brothers kind of added a more mellow yeah I'd uh, say. more of more, a hippie a element smo- a smoother guitar a smoother. sound yes a lot more not as not as like wild as yes the, you know and untamed it'd kind of be like the difference between like metal and alt rock today you know what i mean i could see that you know what i mean so it's 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 just a lot of leonard skinnard was very in your face Dwayne allman he played a lot more mellow and smooth jazz influenced and pentatonics a lot more smooth mild pentatonics whereas you know leonard skinnard they were much more upbeat like blue sky Dwayne allman also picked the guitar with his fingers he didn't use a pick i mean you're talking a whole new sound Right. Nobody Slide. knew. It, it, these guys could jam for a while. You right. wouldn't have bands like Dave Matthews. You wouldn't have anything without this band. This, I think this band is so influential in so many ways. They are. They, uh, had, they had so many albums. Live at yeah. the Fillmore is. That's a great album. I actually just bought that today. Live at the Fillmore. Bro, Double LP. Double Live LP, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And yeah. there were so long tracks. It was Oh yeah, that's 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 funny because that's one of the things that I do to people. Like, you ever go to a a, a bar with a jukebox you can control with your Bluetooth on your phone? Yeah. Absolutely. Whenever I'm having like a music war with somebody, my go-to is Whipping Post Live or Jessica. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's a 24-minute fucking song. I don't blame you yeah. at all, dude. <laughs> wait this one out. Yeah, wait this one out, you motherfucker. Brothers and Sisters, which is also a great album. Which yeah, Jessica was on. Man, these guys are so influential in so many ways. Right. It comes to metal. It comes to rock and roll to this day. Right. I, it's just huge. I mean, yeah. this guy finger picked. He used a slide. He used a slide. Yeah. Intermittently in songs, he would change from finger picking to slide. Absolutely. In in the same verse, one and that's my, pretty unheard of stuff. One of my favorite bluesmen is John Lee Hooker. This yeah. band reminds me of mm-hmm. him. It, it's just it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, they're a great band formed. But like we said, Greg and uh, Dwayne, they're 
country boys yeah. from uh, Jacksonville and Daytona. They grew up a little bit in both, mostly in Daytona. Um, but they first formed in 67 or 64, I think. is Same same as Skinner. Here, yeah. Yeah, they started picking around together, very young age, 64. Interesting enough, right. when, when Southern Rock was starting. It was when, interesting. Right, when it was starting. Um, and as they grew over time, they Dwayne and Greg, uh, they did a lot of moving around. Um, so they went out west first in 67 and formed uh, the yeah. Almond Joys. Yep. Okay, so they played with them a little bit. And then they also, then that transitioned to Hourglass, which I actually kind of like. The Almond Joys were a cover band. It's it's okay. I mean, yeah. you really got to be into that shit if that's what you like, man. I mean, they were experimenting. They were experimenting. A lot of shit. Then, yeah, you know? they were experimenting. Well, because you got to think, and during this time period, the mid to late 60s, this was in the heat the, of the psychedelic rock movement. Absolutely. If, you if know? you're into that shit, then give it a good listen, you know? Right. And and see, one of the things, because Dwayne Allman has always been one of my most favorite guitar players of all time, and I, I am fully uh, in the belief that if he was alive, if he, was, if he lived longer than he did, he would probably be one of the best guitar players to ever walk this earth. Why would you say that for? Why would I say that? Absolutely. Because he absolutely breathed his instrument. It was a third arm of his. He never went anywhere without his guitar. He had such a dynamic, beautiful passion for music that that's all he wanted to do, and that's indicative of his music career. He talked with it. He, he talked with it. He slept with it. With it. Yeah. Like He did everything with his guitar. He spoke with his guitar. You there could hear it. There are few people that do that. Right. And so... Peter Frampton does it. <laughs> no. He, <laughs> You're full of one-liners over here, Mr. Dangerfield. Who's that Bon Jovi guy? Oh, yeah, Ricky Zambora. He yeah, Ricky Zambora. Stop. Yeah, stop. So, um, and that's another thing that I, and one more thing that I respect about Dwayne Allman is it's the same thing as Eric Clapton. It's the same thing that I respect about Eric Clapton. They were both very good friends. Um, is he, if he wasn't feeling it, he said, fuck this, I'm not doing it. Fair enough. Because after the Almond Joys and Hourglass, he went to work as a studio musician at Muscle Shoals, at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Hmm. Um, and he w- he was there for quite a while. I mean, not, not too, too terribly long, six, eight months, something like that. Didn't he appear on uh, Derek and the Dominoes? He did. Uh-huh. He did. He did appear on the Full Derek and the Dominoes uh, record, Layla. Uh, God damn, I love music, <laughs> dude. It's crazy, and they they all work together in this thing. And so he he was a really high paid musician. At Fame Studios, and he was doing a great. Everybody wanted to work with him, mm-hmm. especially at the time the uh, the soul musicians, the black blues and the black soul musicians. They wanted to work with Dwayne Allman because he he vibed so well with them. Yeah, absolutely. but Dwayne he had had enough. He's like fuck this. And then Greg had come back over. They both moved back to Jacksonville, and they kicked off the Allman Brothers at the Gray House. At the Gray House. And then became a sensation, overnight sensation. Overnight sensation. After the release of their live album uh, at Fillmore East in 1971. Such a badass album, man. Well, they they had a couple albums before that. But that's what really kicked them out. Eat a Peach. To the public eyes. Eat a Peach. That was the last album Dwayne Allman was featured on. Um, And also, another thing about Dwayne, I know it's the Allman Brothers and not just Dwayne Allman, but I fucking love Dwayne Allman, man. Uh, If you guys ever get a chance and want to hear one of the baddest ass fucking songs, I've ever heard in my life. Listen to Wilson Pickett and Dwayne Allman's uh, rendition of Hey Jude. That's that's actually what got Dwayne on the map. That's what got him into his studio spot. That's what got him next to Eric Clapton. That's what got him moving in the music scene because world travels fast. Because like we said, how many how many recording studios were there around the country at that time? 
Not many. Not very many. So when you get a badass studio musician or a badass set of studio musicians yeah. like the Swampers right. or Dwayne Allman or John Paul Jones, for instance, right? Word fucking travels, man. So we're Tra- sitting here. So the wait, tragically. Well, I don't want to jump there yet. We still got a lot more to talk about them. I, mean, I, I, oh. I love where we're going here, but we also got to talk about ZZ Top, too. Oh, man. That's another one of I mean, his that's favorites. Grungy. This, that's grungy, yeah. different, like heavier. Dude, that, those, that band is stupid good. Stupid good. They are. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to change it, but uh, I, I guess I kind of am because I, I, we got to keep going here with these powerhouses. Do we? We still have plenty of time. Oh, we have a, all right, all right. Yeah, we got right. plenty this of time. My bad, my bad. We got plenty of time. All right, as so. As you were saying. As I was so, saying. So get back. Let's talk about their debut album. The self-titled album, 1969. All right. Whipping Post. Fucking great song. Phenomenal. Phenomenal album. Phenomenal. And, and this is another thing that's indicative of that time, too, that the British rock bands were coming in to, they were fighting airplay. Because trying to find an Almond Brothers song that's under five minutes is a pretty rare occurrence. Don't happen with the summer. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Well, not like today's day and age where you could just like cut it out, cut out a couple solos mm. here and there. Well, yeah, I guess they could have done that back then too if they if they really wanted to. Yeah, they could. Um, and another thing too is the the bands, and I, I've I've actually gotten to a debate about this with my dad because he's like, well, Dwayne. Dwayne wasn't much a shit about a writer, and neither was Greg. It was all Dickie Betts that wrote everything. And I'm like, ah, uh, ish. Might, Dwayne didn't write anything. Dwayne right. didn't write anything. He, he was a freelance guitar player. He just, the band kicked up, and he started ripping. So did Mr. Trucks as well. <laughs> right. All right, which, by by the way, his son lives here and is married to Susan Tedeschi that live mm, in Jacksonville. Tedeschi Trucks, baby. Badass as well, if y'all ain't heard of them. Yeah. Check them out. Tedeschi Trucks, man. Oh, band. yeah. God, oh, man, yeah. this southern town is just reeking with southern southern rock. Booming. Now, Dickie Betts, he wrote Jessica, though. Dickie yes. Betts wrote a lot. He wrote a lot. Dickie Betts, was, I will say he is the primary, he is one of the primary songwriters, but he didn't write everything. Yeah. And he's also a fucking, I'm, I don't, I don't want to give all the credit to Dwayne, because they had two lead guitar players. They had Dickie Betts and they had Dwayne Allman. I don't want to give everything to Dwayne. Dickie Betts was a fucking badass guitar player. I do. I will have to say, I can't do not quote me, but I think Dwayne Allman did write Melissa. He he did. All right, which was he another did. total hit for them. Oh, yeah. And he wrote Little Martha. <laughs> he wrote Little Martha, too, which was about a stone statue of a <laughs> little girl in a cemetery, cemetery that they used to go smoke weed at. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. he also wrote Shaniqua. Don't did, forget. Yeah. Shaniqua. Boricua. Will you stop? What? Did he write that one? Fucking Rodney. I must be wrong. Rodney. Rodney Dangerfield. So their their initial album uh, that came out in 69, not a whole lot of uh, records sold there. Hadn't got their name out quite yet. Um, so they start touring like every other band does. 1970, they released their second album, Idlewind South. Pretty fucking great. They were living in Macon at this time. Um, so they continue into tour. I'm trying to speed, speed this up for you guys. I could talk about Don't the fucking Almond Brothers for two this. fucking weeks. I love this, this band. This is such a great topic. I'm not, I'm not saying a word. We can yeah. keep going. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, exactly. And so their second their second album. Um, Death, please. I don't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> Death, please. Idle Wild South had the Midnight Rider on it. And cool story about the Midnight Rider is Greg Allman wrote those are or, or not wrote he he recorded he threw down midnight rider the vocals to midnight rider um in one take hmm. 
He walked in the studio at like an early day for them, noon, one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and he just kind of sat there and he goes, there was one guy working in the sound booth. And he's like, hey, I'm going to lay down some vocals. And he laid down Midnight Rider. One take, that's Midnight Rider. I always say, and it's the truth, any musician, any band that's going to go into the studio and practice or whatever, trying to flow their creativity, all of that shit is gone after 45 minutes. So the first 45 minutes in the studio for anybody is going to be the most creative. Yeah. After that, I mean. You're just going through the motions at that point. You're just going point. through the motions or you're fine-tuning other shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can see that. I totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's pretty fucking impressive because it's unheard of. I, I, I've never, I'm sure there is take people that have gone in there and just one take, but for Greg Allman just to go in there and midday and just lay that down, listen, that's it. I'm listen, I think he, he might've laid down the bones for the track in one take, but the whole song is not going to be in one take. I mean, that's just, a, no, the whole, he he did that entire yeah, vocals for the whole one song. Track. One take. take. One. But the but the but the uh, uh, instrumentals was already written. No no no, that was later. He yeah. just laid down the vocals. What? Yeah, yeah that's unheard of. Yeah, just the vocals. He went in there by himself. Acapello? Yes, that's Dude. insane. Yeah, just by himself and laid it down. That's insane. Yeah, I, I mean because it's it's almost impossible to to play music just to the, to a vocal soundtrack. Yeah, know? just sit there just to, hey, to somebody yeah. singing. Yeah, but the other way around. You know, putting down the vocals on top of music is what everybody does. Yeah, that's just that's just he's, it's he's absurd a, to me. Yeah, they're that's amazing guys. Uh, so, like we talked about, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed along a little bit. Uh uh-uh. oh, we got something. Hoochie Coochie Man on that album, which is a great song. Great song, Muddy Waters. Yeah. See, shout out to the blues as well. Very blues and Oh god! At that time, everybody with a six string was playing off Muck and Muddy Waters, dude. Absolutely, <laughs> everybody. You gotta love it. Yeah. It, going back to the blues, everybody from across the pond knew what was going on. We were like, ah, we love this blues shit. Now the yep. Americans start catching on. Now, yeah, yeah. In the late '60s, <laughs> early '70s, twenty years later, yeah, because everybody starts catching on, right? Because that's what got uh, these southern bands into it. The Stones. Bands like the fucking Stones, right? Yeah. I know specifically that's what got Ronnie Van Zant to want to be a musician was seeing the Stones in 65 in Jacksonville. Fuck. Yeah. Yep. So yep. finally, America has caught up. <laughs> finally, we're realizing, Literally. oh, there's something to this blues shit. Right. It's not all acid rock and fucking LSD, man. There's some good shit out Something's there. Something's going on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So um, Dwayne Allman, uh, like we said, worked with Wilson Pickett to write Hey Jude or to do a rendition of the Beatles song Hey Jude. Uh Little fella called Eric Clapton heard that, loved it. Dwayne Allman respected Eric. Eric respected Dwayne Allman. And, and then Eric invited Dwayne to do some work with him, with Derek and the Dominoes on the Layla album, which is fucking insane in and of itself. And Paul McCartney said, eh, it's okay. Yeah, well. I would too. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. Paul McCartney's a great songwriter, but I don't know if he can fuck with Didn't Eric Didn't he Clapton write Hey Jude? Huh? Didn't he write? I don't know who wrote Hey Jude. One of them. It wasn't Ringo Starr, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't fucking Ringo. I love this shit. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Fillmore East, like you talked about, that came out in 73. That put him 13 on the Billboard chart. Or no, came out in 71. Um, Such a a fucking great album. Yeah. Great album. Double LP, live album. That's kind of a weird setting, too, when they're first coming on the scene. They got two albums under their belt. Okay, live album. That's eight, weird. Eight yeah. tra- it's like eight tracks, something less than that. It's just ridiculous. Super, super weird. 
Unheard um, of at that time. So in in order to appease Mr. Mark here, we're going to get to the very tragic, not the end of the Almond well, Brothers. Well, the, the thing that, that, that perturbs me is that like they just had the Whipping Post release, their masterpiece, and then just months after that, fucking Dwayne dies from a motorcycle accident. Yeah. That's just well, after Fillmore. So tragic. Did it? Yeah, he dies you after know? after the Fillmore. October 29th, 1971, uh, Dwayne Allman, age I mean, I 24. Know, I know it was tragic that Skinner, you know, you know, uh, Van Zant passed away, but that was three years. This is just months after their big, you know, biggest Fillmore album. album. No, after the Whipping Post. No, he, di- he died after the Fillmore album. He played oh, on the Fillmore album. Because oh, I read here his, his Whipping Post was released and then just months later his live rendition it was a 24 minute song they wrote it at the Fillmore oh. it was a 24 minute uh, whipping post and recording the bassist died in a bike crash a year later yeah yeah exactly so that was kind of not the end it was definitely Barry Oakley yeah he died a few months later um, after Dwayne in, in and the just same just a couple of years ago was when uh, Greg Greg died yeah. yeah they continued carrying on and they wrote a myriad of different albums I think they had like 12 or 15 studio albums but uh, Eat a Peach in 72 that was there was only three tracks on that album that um, Dwayne wasn't on that was the last time we heard anything of Dwayne and I'm not saying you know all the albums that they put out from 73 to 04 were bad they were good albums you know they were really really good albums but you lost like i feel like you lost almost like the backbone of there's it. an essence missing there's an essence missing and right. it was Dwayne allman because he was he was a fucking guitar virtuoso he was absolutely amazing guitar player he was an amazing musician he was amazing leader yeah. of the band it's like roger waters going on tour without david gilmore that's right you know yeah Dwayne was the leader of the band and then that's where dickie uh dickie betts picked up you know yeah which is interesting for a guitar player to be the leader of the band and somebody with that band uh with who uh, i'm trying to think with the almond brothers yeah what are we missing uh it's just a a, another band that was with a government mule uh oh yeah warren haynes yeah yeah they 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 pulled him in sound same well they pulled warren haynes in to replace Dwayne. yeah yeah which i I mean which is a great replacement Mm -hmm. don't get me that's a great replacement you you can't you can't forget about that part as well oh yeah which is why these bands were were still going is because people were influenced by these bands government mule who still did these that's why these bands are still around to this day well i think it was also a tight-knit by that point like the southern rock scene was like a tight-knit group because there were so few of them starting yeah you know what i mean so they were kind of they were like free agent with each other like hey man we'll help you out you come over here you know warren haynes and shit so i mean like i said they put out great music since Dwayne died they did Absolutely. great music but to me there was just a little bit of something missing from their albums yeah, the just to me. Not saying it's they, a bad thing. Why, there was just something why, missing. I know you're not saying it's a bad thing, but why would you say that? What is the thing? Just that's because missing? they slowly faded out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People weren't paying attention anymore. Good, but you still have your followers. I mean, you're still. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying they still toured. They still did the the Swanee Fest. I think and, I think what it was is Dwayne. His personality. He was he was the leader of the band. He he was very matter of fact. He was like, we need to do this. Let's go do this. Let's go hit New York here. And so when Dwayne left, I think maybe maybe under Dickie Betts that it was a little bit less. I mean, they they were great musicians. They were all masters of the craft, but it was a little bit less like 
hard-nosed spear driven like hey let's go absolutely creativity that's how you have your your uh your jam band kind of shit that's what right you know it, yeah it, it wouldn't have sparked that sparked all that oh yeah you know oh yeah besides the grateful dead you had the allman brothers that were doing it in a different aspect and right. the grateful dead were doing it or yes it, in a psychedelic yes. kind of way fucking but, such a good rush. band i love yes but i mean you had the allman brothers yeah and they were surviving off that and people were digging that it was a brand new kind of thing yeah. out here and that's what it was and yeah that's why i wanted to ask you that it's just yeah. they're such an influential band absolutely when it comes to everything a lot of people though have a stigma when it comes to oh it's not all the original members greg or dwayne's dead you know what i'm saying so they don't want to even give them a chance and that's why they declined from the public eye well they absolutely. went up they went up and then they went down yeah, and then they spread it out. The basis is just, dead too. Just like you know what, what you were saying yeah. with with um, uh, Barry Oakley was a fucking badass bass player too. See, man. we're getting somewhere. Here. He was a badass. Now bass we're player. talking. This is badass right here. What yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, Southern rock is it is it is, is a tight knit community. Yep, it's it's badass. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, it still is. It still is. Um, so let's get let's get to that that other. In my mind, the other trio of the badass Southern rock bands, fucking ZZ Top. The heavier, this is the heavier side of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The heaviest. You all play guitar, (laughs) correct? Uh, Yeah, I dabble. What did did they play in? What chord did they play in? Is it a drop D? Mm, Some songs. Most Some songs are dropped in most standard. Pentatonic A most minor. Standard? Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm talking. I'm, I'm, I, I yeah. can understand what you're talking Billy about. Gibbons, yeah. Billy Gibbons is a really, really, really good guitar player. You see what, what I'm I saying? like about ZZ Top is that when the 80s came around, they kind of progressed with it. They, they said, okay, well, we got to come up with some synthesizers beats and put some rock guitars on top of those. They, they wanted to progress. They didn't want to be left in the dust like Skinner and, you know, just... You know. What a great thing to say because I'm actually sitting here thinking about it. Is there any other Southern rock band that did the same thing which no, you're talking about? There's not. They all stuck to the same, same kind of format, same kind of sound. We want to have that on every record for the rest of our lives. I, I do this a lot. ZZ is not the case. I am trying, I'm going to stay with Southern rock, but I do this a lot with uh, people who want to talk about music, especially from America. If you are from the United States, if tell me, the number one greatest rock and roll band from the United States. A lot of people are the Almond Brothers. Say, Almond Brothers, ZZ Top, or Aerosmith. Yeah, Aerosmith is a, is a close second for me. But getting back, ZZ Top was the heaviest out of the Southern rock. Yeah, and they were a three piece band. They played heavily yeah. with that bass and that guitar. And yeah, they were Frank Beard and awesome. fucking Dusty Hill and Billy Gibbons, dude, they're badass. Awesome. And their their third studio album. Uh, Trace Ombres. That is by far Absolutely. my favorite ZZ Top album. I agree with you. So on that. fucking so good, much dude. I agree with you on that. So good. And and they one thing that's kind of cool. Usually I kind of scrutinize bands to, that do this because a lot of them don't do it correctly. I feel like, but ZZ Top kind of they kept their sound, but they progressed with the times. Like if you look at Eliminator, if you look at their Eliminator record, there's a lot of synth, like a lot of electronic synth. In the, in there, because you know what I mean. On purpose, they were, yeah, they were yeah. ahead of their time. They were, and or, or keeping, and they up were with keeping the, up with it with the times. Yeah, they were doing, the, yeah, all of it. Heavily influenced by BB King too. Uh, that's actually how they got their name. Uh, they they were looking at posters on their wall from BB King and ZZ Hill, and they were like, hmm, 
Is hmm. that a fact? Yeah. Let's make it ZZ Top. <laughs> That's pretty fucking badass. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Raises the bar level for uh, yeah. ZZ Top right now. And they were they were playing music around the same time as these guys, right? Like, yeah, so, they've been yeah. for 45 years, yeah. these guys. They were out in Texas. And they're still touring. Yeah, and they, they their first single, Salt Lick, came out in 1969. And the B-side, Great Miller's song. Farm, um, song writes... Credited by Billy Gibbons. Good album. <laughs> I mean, they made nothing but good albums, in my opinion. It's just having fun. Then they get to rock and roll. They were just having fun. Yeah, they were. And in the combination, like I said, with Dusty Hill and Billy Gibbons and Frank Beard, like for a trio, there's there's not too many rock trios out there either, too, but except for Rush. You know, like Rush, obviously a powerhouse in and of themselves, but to be a that badass and diverse and like just intricate of a band. As a trio, it's it's impressive. Absolutely, and and to have an image. See, now we're talking about an image. These oh, guys the beards had, had the beards. I mean, every you know every other rock band we could talk about had long hair. These guys had right. it, but these guys had an image. They yeah. were top they were, hat, beards, Ray Bans, sold. Another thing Just I noticed: heavier. These yeah. guys were the only ones out of the southern rock bands to make it to. Like MTV status. They did. When, they did a lot when, of videos when on MTV. Legs came out. Yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah. You know? Mm hmm. And uh, I, I never saw a Leonard Skinner video on MTV or uh, Allman Brothers. I mean, it, it's, it was a different generation. And yeah. ZZ Top stepped up to the plate and said, we want to be part of that. Yeah. I think they were Damn more. Right. I think they were a more like, like all the Allman Brothers, arguably, they're more of a jam band. Right, yeah, Skinner. Skinner right. was a bar band, touring right. bar band that you got never big. Saw a Zeppelin get on MTV. This is right. how it diverse just, we're getting. Yeah, if you wanted to do an MTV video, you had to say to yeah. your, your producers or whatever and say, "Listen, now we we really want to do a video and put it on MTV." Yeah. You know, otherwise they'd be like, "You know, yeah, fuck off." We don't, and we they don't, did that. that. Nobody yeah. else did that. They stayed with it, and you're absolutely. And correct. they did yeah. a great job with your trade trademark. Uh, you know, car pulling up. Yeah, the Eliminator, know. yeah. Yeah, the Eliminator, right. I love it, man. Absolutely. And, and that, the, I think the Trace uh, Ombre's album in 73, because their one before that, Rio Grande Mud, that was a really, really good album. They had, uh, they, it was the first time they, they hit a chart uh, with Just Got Paid. So that's a great song, but Trace Ombre's had LaGrange. Dude, now that's down, a fucking song. Hands down their best album, in my opinion. Me too, easily. Bluesy, bluesy, Absolutely. grungy. It was still grungy it blues. It was heavy. It was, just, it was just something that nobody right. ever heard before. Absolutely. It, it was good. It was great. Because then, uh, you know, two years later when they released Fandango. Fandango. Uh, fourth studio album. Well. Yeah, in 75 with Tush. They were getting their niche. That And that's when they were starting to pick up like real commercial success after Trace Ombres. After, after LaGrange, because they started putting that on the fucking radio, man. Like, And then they started progressing a little bit and the momentum started picking up. And by their fifth stu studio album, Tejas, in 76, they were getting up in the top 20s on the billboards. They were They were moving. Dude, they are, in my opinion, just a band uh, that flew, flew under that radar. Yeah, and they only else, went up. And they just did nothing but go right. up, but, and they still do it to this day. It's yeah. just not a lot it's of people talk about that. And, and it's interesting, too, because most bands, they hit a peak, they go down, they may drop an album that brings them back up a little bit, but then they go back down. I mean, they had their Love niche, it. like we talked yeah, about with yeah, the Almond yeah. Brothers. They had their niche, the people that listen to them, but ZZ Top... Mm -hmm. Then I mean in '79 they they released their their Dequello album 
and that's when they signed with Warner Brothers. So we're talking about a band that's 10 years going still. Getting a little bit of a different sound, so I know yeah. exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Every one of these guys' albums are good. Yeah, and they're a decade in, and they're still going up. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? They're still going up. And you then by the time... to it. Yeah, and then by the time Eliminator came out in 83 with Give Me All Your Loving and Legs and Sharp Dress Man, that was a fucking... Sharp Dress Man, that was a fucking powerhouse album. This is where I wanted to talk to you earlier. It's just like you got to start thinking about albums sometimes with, with talking oh, yeah. about Southern Rock. Oh. Some of these albums that were out, we haven't even talked about uh, the Marshall Tucker band. We oh, dude, we could go. Monumental. I mean, yeah. you got to understand some of these albums are just so monu- monumental. You're right. And, and, and not to crazy. mention like the spinoff of uh, with Johnny Van Zant, Ronnie's brother, 38 Special, special. out of Jacksonville. <laughs> they were a fucking great band. And they got Bad Company. Were they Southern Rock? Uh, they, I, I, that's the that's funny. There. Dude, over there across the I was the thinking pond. that the other day. I'm like, is Bad Company Southern Rock? I was going to ask you guys that. I'm glad you brought that up. But what would you consider Bad I Company? I think they are. I think so too. They are. Yeah. The that was the first uh, band that signed with Led Zeppelin's Swan Song Records. I mean, they have so many songs. Yeah. They, they got so many good. songs. Yeah. I remember back in the 80s, though, when ZZ Top, uh, Gillette offered them a million dollars a piece to shave their Shit beards off. off, and they said, fuck you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Those things are impressive. We used, I used to work at my dad's to, uh, tobacco shop when I was a teenager, and we had this guy, I forget his Gene. His name was Gene. My dad called him Mean Gene. Uh, and he used to come in and he looked fucking identical to Billy Gibbons. Like if that motherfucker walked in here right now, you'd be like, dude, it's him. It's him. Look at the ring. Bandana, the Ray-Bans. He had the the blonde beard and his, he looked, I mean, identical to fucking Billy Gibbons. He's got crazy rings though. The guy from ZZ Top. Yeah, he did too. He motherfucking (laughs) wore him too. He could have been a stunt double. If fucking Billy Gibbons was in a like diehard movie, fucking this guy could have played his stunt double. He's such a great guitar Fantastic. player, though. He is. He's a really good guitar player. I've been playing a lot of ZZ Top lately. Good. I've been playing a lot of their stuff, and I really enjoy it. Um, like I where, said, where did you, did anybody say where the name came from? Yeah, BB yeah. BB oh, uh, King. Yeah, right, from BB right. Kim and Sorry. ZZ Hill. Stupid. Cool. Um, so yeah, let's talk about a couple honorable mentions that we didn't get to talk about tonight. We're talking about like uh, uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, formed in 1970. The Charlie Charlie Daniels Band. He's Charlie right, Daniels. You guys are right. The last yeah, time I saw the Charlie Daniels Band was in South Florida. And uh, we were, my friend was a little bit uh, drunk a as, little. as as we mm. were leaving. And there was a, uh, a pickup truck in front of us and they had all these people sitting in the back of it. And they had two rebel flags hanging out the back of it. And yeah. what does my friend do? He smashes into it. On purpose? And they screech <laughs> to a halt. And then he looks right, like a diagonal group of cars just open up a lane to, to, to the right. And yeah. he just, he just whew, and he gets away. Wow. Was, he didn't hit him that hard. I was like, we were probably going like five miles an hour. Did he do it on purpose? No. <laughs> Fuck no. God, he must have been really fucked up. It was, it was, it was scary. Yeah, it was so, scary. And what about Molly Hatchet? We talked about them a little Molly bit. Hatchet. Formed in 71 here in Jacksonville. Flirting with disaster. So that was their, their Flirting number one Flirting with disaster. You got to yeah. love it. Good shit, man. Uh, Marshall Tucker, like you said, Blackfoot, um, another Rosie great band. The only other one yep. I particularly... You didn't say the Rollins band, did you? Rosington. Oh, Bob, I thought you were talking Bob about Seger, Henry Rollins. Bob I was about to say, oh. could be considered Silver Bullet Yeah, band. he could. I mean, see, um, this is what I was talking to you that, on, that, on like, the way over here. Well, yeah, you because could, there's a lot of bands that sound Southern, but they're not. Like Creedence Clearwater Revival. C- Country Western is what yeah. you're you have talking the, about. The Doobie Brothers. You have Doobie Tom, Brothers Tom Petty. Meeks, that's yep. for you. Uh, even, you can even go as far as, say, Steve Miller Band. Yeah, you know, arguably, and then for as far as the new blood, 
besides the ones we talked about earlier, um, what's the country guy? The staple hold or staple face? Chris Stapleton. <laughs> staple face. Chris okay. Stapleton. So Chris Stapleton. Uh, then I, I told you about the Blackberry Smoke. And then we had the Black Crows. Black Crow, well. Very. Actually, That yes. to me starts dabbling in this new age kind of, oh, the the Black, okay, yeah, 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 the Black See, Crows. Black I Crows. thought you were talking about the Black Keys for a second. I thought, <laughs> no, I thought you were no, talking no, about no, the Black no. Keys. I was saying, well. They're a little. Uh, they're a little bit not that. I've actually, I've actually. Yeah, the Black Crows very much so, yes. Jimmy Page with the Black Crows. It is very Southern. I would actually agree with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with it, it now. I thought it was. I thought he was talking about the Black Keys at Great first. band. Yeah. Uh, a lot of their songs are very blues um, driven. I mean, oh, all absolutely, of them. every all of them, all, all these guys, I, 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 all of them, it, and, and it's insane. I think, I think now, I think now, um, we're we're going back full circle as a society. I was talking to Kristen about this, my wife, uh, the other day, where I think creativity has almost come to a screeching halt, in the sense of like, look what movies you're seeing out nowadays, like it. We're doing. We're seeing renditions yeah. about shit that's re- already been done. Reboot. Reboot. City. So rock and roll music kind of got has gone to the wayside a little bit, right? It's just sleeping. I'm telling you. So what's happening nowadays that I'm really impressed with is bands like the Black Keys, bands like Rain Wolf, bands like Gary Clark Jr. These guys are revamping the Southern rock blues stuff and infusing it with modern day synth and electronica, and it's fucking awesome. And Love don't it. forget about JJ Gray and Mo Fro. Yeah, JJ Gray and it. Mo Fro. They are from Jacksonville. Right. Uh, Dude, and Tedeschi trucks, absolutely, exactly. So it's making a comeback. It is right it's there. Great. It's right there in front of your face. Yeah. I mean, Johnny, um, what is his name? I think it's uh, Jimmy Strings. Yeah, Jimmy Strings. It's right there. Yeah, uh, all there. It's good shit, man. I wish I could say more right now. Yeah. I mean, my mind's going. Yeah, it's it's all making a comeback, and in Southern rock blues is infusing, like I said, with a little bit of the modern synth rock and electronic stuff, and it's sounding good. And that's what's getting big now. So I'm really happy and appreciative to see that this is the direction that a lot of rock and roll bands are going in today. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for the rock generation with this Damn stuff. Right. So yeah. uh, I think that's all we got today. Oh, let's t- wake up rock and roll. That's it. T-shirt giveaway. Uh, Tony Lloyd, you are the winner of the T-shirt contest. So we will be giving you your T-shirt here uh, in the next few days or whenever we fucking contacted. see you. That's uh, yeah. via email. You will be contacted. I ain't calling you. Yeah. So anyway, guys, go check out our Facebook page and our Instagram, Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping. We're also on Twitter, and we also just debuted our show on YouTube tonight, so I'll be posting the link to that. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you motherfuckers next week. Love you all. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye, motherfuckers.